And then there's also like, you, once you give birth, you are not who you were before, right? You're not who you were when you were pregnant. And so now who are you? You have no idea. And so there's that trying to wrestle with that new you while also taking care of this other person while also dealing with the pressure of like, okay, now I want to be like the perfect mom. And then while also like, like dealing with who am I to my partner? Who am I to myself? Who am I to my friends? And I think, yeah, like that's, it's weird. There's no books on that. Hey, welcome to Can I Have Another Snack podcast, where I'm asking my guests who or what they are nourishing right now and who or what is nourishing them. I'm Laura Thomas, an anti-diet registered nutritionist and author of the Can I Have Another Snack newsletter. Okay, so if last week's episode with Christy was a tearjerker, then this week's episode will make you laugh your ass off. I'm joined by your dietitian BFF herself, Clara Nosek. Clara is an outpatient dietitian by day and a nutrition influencer disruptor by night, even though I'm pretty sure she would hate me calling her that. Clara is the creator of Big Sister Nutrition, where she'll tell you how she sees it, but she definitely won't tell you what to do. We talk about so many things on this episode, like there's almost nothing that we don't touch on. We talk about pandemic babies, the yes and of pregnancy, and the weird shit that our bodies do, the toxic independence mothers are expected to perform, we talk about unsolicited advice, finding your mom gang, sanctimony culture, and the overlap between diet culture and the pressure to be a perfect parent, and how the pipeline of perfect mum to food fear-mongering is a slip and slide. But what I think this episode is really about is getting to know the new you post-baby and figuring out this new identity and finding your main character energy. And this conversation wouldn't be complete without a deep cultural analysis of reality TV and why Clara loves it so hard. So after we recorded this episode, Clara sent me a side note she wanted to add about this conversation. So I'm just going to read the whole email now. Clara said, I just had a thought that perhaps could use more context, i.e. the perfect mom to food fear-mongering anti-science pipeline. And the yes, one, critical thinking slash understanding is needed, but also two, the nuance and context of white supremacy and the creation of distrust and the roots in how white people have treated slash experimented on communities of colour. So from a black indigenous POC lens, there is historical evidence to dis- distrust mainstream slash white standards and white people who benefit and perpetuate and believe in the distrust, but can't be bothered to explore why it's there in the first place or the role white supremacy plays in informing those thoughts are problematic. And just to add to Clara's note here, um, I was also thinking about how science gets weaponized against communities of color and marginalized communities to gaslight their lived experience and undermine cultural medicines, for example. So just wanted to give that context to our conversation. I also wanted to add that uh, guests on Can I Have Another Snack are paid for their time and their labor for being here. This is not the norm in the podcast world. I think I've been paid maybe once for doing a podcast in my life, um, and I've done a lot of podcasts. But 
it's work and that's why I want to make sure that the guests that uh, appear on Can I Have Another Snack get paid and the only way that this is possible is through the support of the people listening. Um, so that's you guys. By supporting this work, um, by becoming a subscriber. So I wanted to say thank you if you've already subscribed. All of this was just to say that Clara has decided to donate her honorarium for being here to Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition, who are working to bring relief and clean water to communities who need it most in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm also going to link to that fund. So if you'd like to make your own contribution, then um, you can just click the link in the transcript for this episode. And while we are talking about subscriptions, I just wanted to let you know that you are listening to the long edit of this podcast episode. From October, I'll be publishing a shorter edit here in your podcast player and a special long edit for paid subscribers of the Can I Have Another Snack newsletter as a little bonus for supporting my work. Alongside weekly discussion threads, my Dear Laura column, and loads of other fun perks. You can head to laurathomas.substack.com to subscribe. It's £5 a month or £50 for the year. And if that's inaccessible to you for whatever reason, please email hello at laurathomasphd.co.uk for a comp subscription. I'm keeping all the content on Can I Have Another Snack free for the month of September and turning on the paid community features and paid subscriber-only columns from October. If you value this work, you can help keep it sustainable by becoming a paid subscriber. And last thing, if you enjoyed this episode, I would really, really appreciate it if you could support me by rating and reviewing it in your podcast player, and maybe even sharing it with a friend. It makes such a huge difference to a new podcast, I can't even tell you, so thank you for rating and reviewing. You can also find a full transcript of this episode over on Substack. Again, that's laurathomas.substack.com and I would really love it if you wanted to leave a comment over there to let us know what you thought of this conversation and to keep the conversation going. All right, team, here's Clara. All right, Clara, who or what are you nourishing right now? You know, I've had this thought a lot recently probably not framed in that way but like currently this body I'm in now one year out of pregnancy um still sleep is questionable (laughs) at best also this like role I'm in now as like an outpatient dietitian and learning the ins and outs of working in the medical industrial complex and also being in my 30s, right? As a cis het woman, female, what does that mean? What does that look like, right? Because when I was a little kid, I always thought like when you were 30, you were ancient, (laughs) And now now that I'm here, I feel like I'm just starting, but it's also like now with pandemic and how that has reshaped the way people live their lives. Mm -hmm. Some people, most people, I would say, Mm -hmm. not all people just trying to figure all that out. So I am nourishing this ever evolving person. Mm. So many like little threads that I want to tug on 
there, but I, I, I suppose the one that, that feels kind of really relevant for this podcast, I mean, they, I guess they all are to one extent or another, but this piece around, it sounded like you're sort of just familiarizing yourself with your body as it is after having two babies. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and, and sort of what that process looks like for you? Yeah. So in pregnancy, so pre-pregnancy, right? You have this idea of what being pregnant is like. Um, I feel like and it's it way is. better than the reality. <laughs> oh yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's all unicorns and glitter. And I was getting also- so many pregnancy massages in my pregnancy fantasy and in reality we were in lockdown yeah oh my god even that okay so that alone right so Mm. pregnancy in itself can be very isolating Mm -hmm. and same with like that first year of motherhood and like compound that with pandemic like you are on an island (laughs) and I think that like (laughs) you there's like this idea that like once you get pregnant, you should just know, you should know what to do. You should know Mm. what decisions to make. And so you don't really want to ask for help because I think that that, that kind of lends itself to this idea. Like maybe I don't know everything. Maybe this doesn't come Mm. naturally. Maybe this is not an innate thing that I possess. Mm. And so then you're like, Thus, the beginning of like the mom guilt, like, what am I doing? Why don't I know what I'm doing? Everyone else seems Mm -hmm. to have it together. But when in reality, like nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all the parenting books, all of those things, it's kind of like this very vague idea, concept of like what it's like, but it's never anything like what you're experiencing. And I find that when you start to really talk about those things openly, that people are like, yes, that is exactly it, right? Like nobody talks about, like your nipples get really big, your armpits get really dark, you know, your body changes, obviously, but no one talks about like, there's a smell right when you get, after you give birth, you feel like you stink. And I, like, I thought I was going crazy. And I'm like, I think I smell, I smell something and it's not, I have no idea where it's coming from but it's definitely coming from me. And I would like shower and I could still smell it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's so that the baby can find you. And you're like, why did anyone tell me that? Oh, or like, what else? Oh, when you're like in the midst of pregnancy, nobody warns you about how juicy your vagina gets. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking I know. about. Like, your labia just become like very labia, like extra. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's new. I don't remember reading that. <laughs> I'm just like getting so many flashbacks as you're talking. Like I got restless leg syndrome when I was in my first trimester. Oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> yes. And like, nobody talks about those things. Yeah. Like, and I feel like you know, your hair, you know, obviously your hair gets 
different. Sometimes it's shinier. Sometimes it gets curlier. Mine was always just shit. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) never mind. So we won't talk about that. So no, totally not that, not your hair. (laughs) But I think that there's a lot of things like shrouded in mystery Mm -hmm. that take away. And I, I get right. Being pregnant is a gift not everyone and it's a privilege and Mm -hmm. it's all these things Mm -hmm. but I think that all and so there's like a shying away from talking about the not so pretty side but I'm also of the mind that of like yes and right Mm -hmm. yes pregnancy is a gift it's this beautiful thing it's a privilege and not and you know, the reality is not everyone who wants to get pregnant can get pregnant and, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yes. Mm-hmm. To all those experiences, those are valid and realities for many people. Um, but also <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's not all cupcakes and roses and no. um, all those other things. And it's like, if you're not ready to process any trauma that you have, mm embodied through life it's gonna come it's gonna come either whether you're pregnant whether that baby comes or whether you're like raising this tiny human mm-hmm. just so- every yeah and you and on top of that you're tired you're underslept <laughs> maybe you're not eating as much you're like literally just in a in a brain fog for like the first two years yeah seriously everyone is like I don't know I think there's like this imaginary cutoff line at like six months where suddenly everything gets better. And I'm like, there's no fucking way it goes on for years. <laughs> uh, you, you touched on something that I thought was like so important. And I'm, I'm just kind of trying to figure out, like, I think I, I think I know what you meant, but I just want to make sure I'm understanding you 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 kind of like all of these things that we're talking about and you know just like all the stuff that happens to your body and how it's kind of shrouded and in mystery and like we don't talk about it and I think you know we don't ask for help around it and I think that that kind of extends into just motherhood as well this kind of like toxic independence yeah. I don't know if you've thought about that, but what do you think that's about? I mean, I have some theories, but I, I'm really curious to hear what you think. I think it's that expectation that you should know what to do. And it's like, so it's the expectation that you should know what to do and that you should be making the right decision. But also there is this experience that so you know when you like are just living life and someone gives you um advice unprovoked and if you don't do what they say it's almost like a personal assault yeah. on that person mm-hmm. i think that same phenomenon <laughs> happens in motherhood but instead of it being like kind of this thing that you you experience and then it goes on it's like compounding So if you don't do, if you don't raise your child in a similar way to that of someone close to you Mm -hmm. and they're like, 
I did this, this worked for me. So you should do this too. And you don't. Oftentimes there is almost like this defensiveness and on top of now you trying to figure out what's best for you and your baby. It's how can I manage this relationship with this other adult so that I can also mother their feelings. Yeah. And so you're doing all those things and it just gets to a point where you're like, I'm not going to, I'm just like, not going to talk to anyone about yeah. it because it's not helpful. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that you don't like the response that I have given you. You don't, it's not in alignment with what you've done. It doesn't detract from the way you did it. Cause that is your reality. That's what you did. That's what you thought yeah. was best for you and your baby at the time. And if what I'm doing is not in alignment with that, it's not an attack to you as a mother, mm -hmm. but more so um, in support of me becoming the mother that I want to be. Mm -hmm. So you're like thanking them, like, thank you so much for that wonderful piece of information, <laughs> but also like, and I'm going to do it this other way. And, yeah. you know, you kind of avoid you just try to avoid that conflict because like, you know, you're, you're, you're tired, you're yeah. sleepy, your emotions are everywhere. Hormonally, you're still recovering. There's like all these things that are changing. And on top of that, now you have to process a big feeling that someone else is having with them. Mm -hmm. And so there's like this hyper independence of like, you know, I'm just going to figure it out myself because yeah. Like this is too much. Like I can't, I can't hold that for you as well as hold all of these other things together for me. And, and I guess I was, I don't know if this is what you meant, but I was also thinking about it from just the, I guess the way that capitalism thrives is by kind of keeping us all feeling like we're in this alone this is like you know it's us against the system which it is but it you know like but yeah it kind of keeps us separated from community and from you know places where if we had open conversations about this we wouldn't feel so isolated we wouldn't feel so alone we wouldn't maybe feel like so defensive you know if, if someone was doing something different from us in terms of our parenting oh 100 percent which is why I think it's so important for moms to have mom friends, mm -hmm. like have your mom gang. <laughs> that is a quintessential piece of motherhood community. But going back to like COVID babies, how did you navigate that loss of, you know, at least in real life community? So I was really lucky and I had my first child pre-pandemic. So she was born in 2018. Mm -hmm. So we had two years of like normal life. I mean, she probably doesn't remember it, but like, <laughs> um, you know, I had a, a girlfriend who got pregnant a couple months before me. And then, so, you know, the pregnancy packed work there. <laughs> and then I had gone to a breastfeeding class and I made 
some mom friends there and we kind of formed our own little like breast friend group (laughs) where you like just a place you know a safe place to like vent and we all did things differently like we all parented in our own way and it was nice because there's no like you just felt free to do it. And there was just support in that sense. Yeah. Obviously if there was like harm that could, (laughs) if there was a red flag that we wanted to like bring to attention, it was always like a place it's coming from a place of like just genuine concern, Mm -hmm. but also like, it's none of my business what you do kind of thing. And um, so with my second baby, my second I already kind of had that in place. I did I did dip a toe into mommy Facebook, which I do not recommend. Well, this is this is kind of what I was wondering is like, you know, when when we're so when we're so isolated during COVID, mm-hmm. so many of us spent so much more time on social media than with people in real life. And then there's that like momfluencer culture, right? that kind of, you know, constantly comparing with these, in inverted commas, perfect moms on the internet. Is that something, like, did you notice a a difference between, like, with that kind of thing between your first and your second? Yeah, so there is, so I was like, did you ever get into the baby wearing communities? No. Okay. So I tangentially... So I did wear my baby a lot, but not because like, well, at first I was like, okay, yeah, this is a cute thing to do. But then when he was fucking 18 months old and weighed what, however many kilograms he weighed at that point, I was still dealing with pelvic girdle pain um, and he still refused to go like in the buggy. And I was like, I remember putting on my Instagram stories once, like, I really need to figure out another way to transport this child because it's breaking my body and the baby baby wearers came at me they were like but it's so beautiful why would you put your child down oh my god yeah the sancta mommies I can't I can't I the vibe is not there (laughs) yeah I very quickly realized so like even as a child I remember I have this very distinct memory talking to my mom and saying, and she said, you know, you, she's talking to me um, about my, me and my sister. And she was like saying how we're very different in that my sister was like very um, gregarious. She has a lot of friends. They're like ever, like some, like some of them were very consistent, but she always had like a a varying group of friends Mm. and I was always the type to have like I had like one or two friends that I was friends with for like decades right you're inseparable and still and still am right so we still have group chats from like high school and I think that that going into finding mom friends was still very very clear and so like when I was in those spaces the the mommy wearing community the the insta mom, the momfluencers, right? It's kind of like, this is not my vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, 
align with these this like feeling so I'm just not going to like I'd much rather just be by myself (laughs) yeah subject myself to that kind of like comparison spiral right so like Mm -hmm. and it's everywhere it's always like like did you ever get into like the the nugget community what is that oh my gosh so it's these amazing couches for kids right so that they don't they're like play couches. It's like two foam pieces and two, oh, two foam rectangles and like two foam. I think pyramids. I have seen this, but I think it's a US thing. I don't I don't think we get them oh, here. Okay. I'm probably gonna get a hundred people like coming for me now, but <laughs> I will I will fact check this. Um, but yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. So it's kind of like the same thing. And it's like this like peacocking, this like very much who has a bigger mom penis right like yeah I, got, I have you know I have 17 nuggets <laughs> you don't what do your kids play with kind of situation or like the same thing like you know you don't like wearing your baby you must be doing it wrong and it's like mm-hmm. it, it there's no space for like you one mom could like wearing their baby and you could very much not like wearing your baby both of those things can exist yeah those are both realities and just because you don't like to wear it doesn't take away from the mom who does like to wear it and I think that like just going into it (laughs) navigating the mom social media space like that um is very uh mentally protective yeah and like that's the kind of thing that they should be teaching you in the pregnancy books like how to kind of armor up for that stuff because I think like I'm I'm kind of something I'm kind of interrogating at the moment is just like how influenced I was by that stuff even though I feel like I was like at the time I was like oh this this is this isn't going in it is and it was and like I'm having to really unpack that and and challenge like those ideals. Like um, there's this great Instagram called Struggle Care. I don't know if you've come across, it's like a therapist and she just talks about like how she basically just like draws a line between like housework stuff that is inspirational and aspirational versus like what is necessary and functional. And so she talks about it from the perspective of like, you know, if you see people who have like, I don't know, it could like, I I think about it through in the, in the context of food, right? Because that's like my lens and bodies. But like, if you imagine a a kid's plate that's, you know, like got all those fucking star shapes and, you know, like the sandwich is cut into the shape of a fire truck or, you know, whatever. And it looks like Instagrammable. Like she would say that that's, that's not what you need to do to feed your child. That is a hobby. And so she just like kind of, I don't know, kind of helps, helps like bring it down to, okay, what is actually essential here for looking after your child and what is, like I said, a hobby. And I don't like, I think separating it out and I'm like thinking about that lens like when I see like a perfectly curated playroom on Instagram I'm like oh yeah that's a nice hobby for someone to decorate their kids room and like choose out all the fucking wooden toys 
Or like if their kids play is like that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a nice hobby for you. That's not an essential part of looking after a child. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So if you look at mom life through the lens of diet culture life, mm-hmm. there are a lot of overlap. There's Interesting a lot of overlap. And so, you know, it kind of harkens back to, you know, everyone wanting to be the perfect mom. Mm -hmm. And it comes from that place of, I don't know, fear of not being enough, of not meeting the standard, not trying to do whatever. And I totally get, like, I posted the other day, maybe a couple months ago. I posted what I was feeding my kid. Oh my God. I was going to ask you about this because I messaged you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that like, so I just posted because I think it's funny because like all you see are like, you know, I, do I have a rice baller? Yes, I do. Do I, you know, would I like to be the mom that puts like the little picks on it? You know, I have all like the fun shapes, the, the cutout thingies yeah. I do. I do that sometimes when I have the bandwidth, but most of the time it's like, you're eating what I'm eating. That's just, that's just what's going to happen. Okay. If you don't like it, there's other things you can eat. Like my kids are not going to starve. They're going to um, be exposed to a variety of foods, you know, right. It's functional. It's that functional piece that yes. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah, like, you know, there's a lot of the, like the pipeline for perfect momfluencer mm-hmm. to like non-science like mm-hmm. monk science mm-hmm. food fear mongering yeah like anti-vax mm-hmm. it's it, it is a slip and slide okay <laughs> it's very easy to go from one one place to another yeah And I understand the idea of wanting what's best for your kid. I get that. I, I see that and navigating that on top of like all the conflicting, you know, information that's out there, right. Mm -hmm. Because of the internet, everything is at your fingertips, but because of the internet, now everything (laughs) is at your fingertips and it requires a level of critical thinking, mm-hmm. a level of understanding for scientific jargon, mm. a level of familiarity with scientific research. And what do those results mean? Right. You know, tre- like something will say like, it's trending towards significance. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it it's so it's so it's not significant is what that sentence says to me but I still want to get my paper published yeah <laughs> yes and I get that right everybody's got to make money under the umbrella of capitalism I mm-hmm. understand everybody needs to make money but it's like it there's something that gets like switched to if you're not with me you're against me yeah yeah and I think the same thing happens, you know, in our space, in dietetics, in like, if you don't eat the way I eat and the way I eat makes me feel better, which then makes me feel like a good person, which then means I am a good person, which then means I'm better. 
than someone who is a bad person. Mm-hmm. The, the, the pipeline is a slide. So tell us about when you post your kids food. <laughs> Um, when I posted my kids food, okay. So what did I feed? I think there were some goldfish involved. There was goldfish. There was probably Cheerios. I think there was yogurt. Um, and I don't know what else. There There's was. like a this fruit one. or something. I'm pretty sure. Like, so it's a mixture. Usually yeah. I have like, there's things that he'll eat things that will provide nutrition, <laughs> nutrient dense, calorically dense and, things that I'm trying to introduce. Right. So that's, that's the, that's my, that's your formula, my, my formula for how to do stuff, for how I do things. Um, not for how anyone else should do it, but, um, I had moms in my DMS, like, how could you poison your kid? Like very what? loaded language, like very much. I expect you as a dietitian to understand the <laughs> toxicity that you are like imparting on your child mm. by feeding them this garbage, mm. this trash, this poison. And it's you? like, <laughs> I, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is it like to be the world's most perfect mom? To be all knowing, to know more than the government. to know more than scientific researchers who test the toxicity of these things Mm -hmm. what school did you go to what program were you in what research articles are you privy to that not everyone else is privy to please do share with the class (laughs) I think what I was thinking about like when we were talking about that toxic independence earlier and also like the parallels between momfluencer culture and diet culture I was just like but the the common denominator is white supremacy culture and it's Mm -hmm. again that's what we're seeing here that like perfectionism but also that defensiveness and like and 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 all of the things and yeah like I feel that we would do so much better if we were to take some time to unpack that than to get in people's faces if they feed their kids some crackers. Yeah, there's also like that level of privilege that it assumes, right? So yeah. how how could you feed your kid this easily accessible, calorically dense, like they're babies, they need calories to grow, right? Does this mean that this is all I'm feeding my kid? No. But does that mean I have the privilege of access to a variety of foods? Also, yes. Mm. And it's like, well, what if that's, what if that's all that a mom can afford? What if McDonald's is the only thing a mom can give to their child to get them to the next day's breakfast and lunch that they get at at school? Mm. Right. And it's like, Instead of getting mad at the parent, why are we not questioning the system that has created this situation? Yeah. And it's like, when you push that, it's like, well, I did it. So why can't someone else do Mm -hmm. it? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no one is taking away from the fact that you did it. 
And that's great that you were able to survive that. No one is trying to diminish or invalidate that experience, but just because you did it, does that mean that we can't be better for the future? Does that mean that there cannot be advancement in this space? Does that not mean we can use technology to improve things going forward? Like what a strange way. I like, I can't, I, I can't wrap my head around it Mm. to be in that place where like, because I struggled, I also want you to struggle because then if you don't struggle, what does that mean for me? And that, (laughs) that, that level of unpacking is not for me. That is to be escalated (laughs) to a higher (laughs) level of care to someone who is educated in that space to be able to unpack that with that person in their own time, right? Like that's not my responsibility. I just want to like, you know, plant that seed. Mm. Like, what does that mean? Why does, why? So I'm currently reading The Some of Us. Have you heard it? I feel like I, that sounds really familiar, but I can't pinpoint it. So The Some of Us is a book by Heather McGee. It's freaking amazing. So it's basically about how it's, it's very American, the American lens. Um, I'm putting my hands over my head like an umbrella, like you can see me. Um, And so it basically speaks to foundationally how America was set up in a way that if I have and you don't have, the only way for you to have is by taking away from me, not this idea that we can all have. Yeah. And so that- That's how capitalism creates competition right? Like from, from the day we go to school, we're taught like, well, the only way that you can be good is if, you know, by, by like standing on the head of your peers and just climbing all over them. And it, it's how that premise informs like compounded with like white supremacy, um, and the patriarchy, how that informs society and how now it's like, if I'm feeding my kid goldfish, how is that taking away from the mom who feeds their kid, I don't know, buckwheat, homemade <laughs> buckwheat, <laughs> banana so crackers? Sorry, that just gave me such a flashback to like my uber, uber wellness days where I would make like soaked buckwheat porridge. Okay. Oh my God. I'm just like, it's just, I can taste it in my mouth and it's vile. (laughs) But so, so you get it, right? Like the, like that idea. So that kind of like thread is in all of these spaces. And now we have to, to navigate it in a way where it's like, I have to know, I must know that what I'm doing doesn't take away from this person and this person reaching out to me is so what I'm posting triggered something in that person yeah it's a trauma response (laughs) is it my responsibility to (laughs) to help that person unpack that no is it a great teachable moment for this is what happens when we allow that like need for perfection Mm -hmm. to influence our 
daily activities. Yeah. Like our interactions and our relationships with other humans. Yeah. And so, you know, just trying to really avoid those toxic areas. (laughs) But like, yeah, you know, I was, I was very into baby wear. I wore, I wanted to wear so badly my first child. She hated it. She's she's never been a cuddly baby. Like she, she would be worn only when she was sick. Oh, so, like I would get like little, little sprinkles of baby wearing. And what you find is, okay. So like those slings, like I, the slings that I wanted, they were like freaking expensive. But if you yeah. were in those mommy communities, the, bom- the mommy wearing communities, they had those BSTs, you know, the no. buy sell- they had like buy sell trades, right? So you would oh, get okay, 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 yeah, like, yeah. So they would all be like used, but they would be um, discounted. Mm-hmm. You could tra- essentially trade some okay. of them. And so there is a financial gain to being in these <laughs> groups, right? And luckily for me, my, so that's, okay. So that also speaks to the yes and. Are these t- communities toxic? Yes. And are they fiscally responsible to be in? Yes. Also, yes. So, you know, you kind of like take everything with a grain of salt. You kind of like see like the, the sanctimommies, the perfect moms, like whatever with their stuff. And you kind of just are like, okay, Mm, bye. Um, But like my second kid, like loved to be worn. Mm -hmm. I wore him for like the first six to eight months of like his life. Mm -hmm. He loved it. And so I like got to scratch that itch, but those that's usually like more for me, right? That was like, I could have just held him like with my hands, but like, yeah, but it's so, it is so liberating when you can like, I remember cooking whole entire meals with my newborn strapped to me. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, it's like when he's 18 months, you know what? I, we were out like a week ago and he would not fall asleep in his like as we were pushing him around so I had to strap on the fucking sling he's two he's over two (laughs) to carry this kid around so yeah it still happens I did like this is a total like side note but I did just want to shout out Mia O'Malley's plus size baby wearing account I don't know if you came across that no but it's an incredible resource for fat plus size women who want to wear their kids because I feel like that can be like I've spoken to a lot of like friends and clients who feel like oh, I'm I'm too fat to have worn my kid or to wear my kid and this account basically is just like here's how you can you can wear your kid in a fat body and it's totally fine and if you want to do it you can totally do it here's how we do it so it's just a great resource for anyone who really wants to but feels like they can't yeah oh this is awesome <laughs> I, lo- I love that you just gone and looked that up right now <laughs> so like something I also I wanted to ask you about kind of you know bringing it back to what you said you were nourishing at the very beginning you know you're you're figuring out this body right now having gone through two pregnancies And I've also heard you talk about 
concepts like Sonia Renee Taylor's um, radical self-love and um, body liberation. And I'm just curious, you know, what those mean to you now after having two babies and where you're, you know, what's that relationship with your body like now? And it's okay if it's a, an evolving thing. So how do those amazing authors, how have they impacted where I am today? Or just, you know, I guess something I've been thinking a lot about is regardless of the body size that you have before pregnancy, the chances are you gain some weight Mm -hmm. during pregnancy and your body ends up being bigger than prior to having a child and obviously there's you know snapback culture and then there's you know just like all the all the emphasis from diet culture to lose the baby weight and from people around you and there's also this narrative the kind of counter like discourse that I see is like well you should love your body. It's done this amazing thing and you're a miracle. And I guess it's the kind of the, you know, sitting with the yes and of that and the reality that your body has been through this huge thing and you are different now. Your body is different now. And there's also the reality that if your body has got bigger, there's a loss of privilege that coincides with that, you know, even if it is just like a, you know, sort of fractionally less privileged than you were now, I think there is still a grief, maybe a grieving process associated with that. So these are like the kinds of thoughts that are rattling around in my brain just now. And I don't know if any of that resonates with your experiences. Oh, 100%. I think that, so personally, I have always welcomed change just in my life, not so much like in myself, like not so much physically, but like mentally um, and experientially change is inevitable, right? Like things are meant to change. Um, And if things don't change, I think there's like, you know, red flag, right? But I think physically, with mother, with body changes, with motherhood, with, you know, whether the body change comes from motherhood or just comes from life. Yeah. There's a grieving period, but also like, what are you grieving? Right. There's like this idea of like, well, why, why, why is that? Why did I, um, why do I feel so sad? And that is for, you know, the individual to unpack Mm. and maybe that will lead them down a path of more exploration, which is great. Um, I think in regards to like the snapback stuff, right? I I always like hated that because it's like you're going back physically. There's this push to go back physically, but like men, no mention of like the emotional, mental, spiritual side of going back to who that person was Mm -hmm. before. And I don't think that there's enough space given to a person whose body changes to like recognize that that person 
is gone. Yeah. But not so much is gone, but has like essentially birthed this new person. Mm -hmm. And so now you're like in this, you're like in your dating phase, right? You're getting to know this person. And I often, I love paralleling dating and dieting, but I think that this, this also is there, right? So like, you know, when you're first you're first meeting someone, you're getting to know someone, it can go one of two ways. Mm. It goes really great or it goes really awful. <laughs> and oftentimes, right? Like when you're dieting, you're doing all these things, you're, you're doing all these, essentially punishing yourself. It doesn't, it more often than not doesn't end well. Mm. And the same way with getting to know this new body, getting to know this new version of you, like, when you are acting in a place of like, I should be doing all these things, I'm, you're guilting and you're shooting all over yourself. You're shaming yourself, right? Mm. It, it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to be becoming this positive space for exploration. And so, and there's almost like this invalidation, right? Like, so if I said, you know, I'm not happy, I'm not happy with the way my body is currently. I could be not happy with the way my body is, but, and I can also extend respect to myself to know that I shouldn't punish myself because I don't, I'm not happy. Mm. And is it messy? Yeah. Like, am I working through, you know, on a daily basis, working through like, oh, I don't like the way my arms look in the shirt. Why don't I like the way my arms look in the shirt? What is it? It, it through your arms. <sighs> You're in a shirt, right? Like, or that idea of like, don't put that jacket over your sleeveless shirt. Your arms will look how they look in a jacket. They will look how they look in a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> like yeah, it, you're not, people know. <laughs> it's, it's not, you're not hiding anything. And so I guess it's kind of like, you know, in that sense, who are you now surrounding yourself with? If the people around you are supporting that idea of like, you should put a jacket on, you might want to hide it. Or is it like, girl, don't wear the jacket. It's, it's 98 degrees. Do you really need to be wearing a, a denim jacket right now? <laughs> and, and so I think that having these messy conversations are important, just like in pregnancy, just like in diet culture, just like postpartum conversations, figuring out mom life, right? Yeah. It's all on a spectrum. There's the moms who, you know, you go from one extreme to the next, whatever is the opposite of the momfluencer. And knowing that they exist, but knowing that they're not existing, that they don't exist to make you feel bad, that they just exist. That's just what's available, but maybe yours looks different and that's also okay. Mm -hmm. And like, just because you don't see it, doesn't mean that what you're experiencing is not valid. Mm. I heard you say on another podcast that, you know, when you give birth, there's kind of an emptiness and I'm, I guess you were meaning that sort of metaphorically as well as literally and that's that that diet culture kind of takes 
advantage, like it's really predatory in terms of like giving you something to fill up on even while you're simultaneously starving yourself. But that, like, <laughs> you know, besides the point, can you talk to that idea a little more? Yeah. Okay. So when you're pregnant, I always felt like people will bend over backwards to hold the door for you, <laughs> to give you their seat, to do Well, I guess this is kind of like pre-pandemic experience, right? When you're pregnant, just, it seems like the ability to help is there, right? Mm -hmm. Just people are, the kindness is available. And then once you give birth, <laughs> like it evaporates it's gone you like don't yeah. get see you're not seen anymore it seems mm -hmm. like and then it's like that kindness is no longer like extended to you right so like I have I have been on my way walking into a mall with my stroller the car seat the bag you know everything right and whatever else I'm carrying <laughs> the partridge, the pear tree, the, <laughs> right. And you're trying to struggle like to open the door and people are just like walking in the other doors, right? Like yeah. this is the time, like I when am. I'm pregnant, I can open it. Don't worry. I can open a door. <laughs> now when like, I really need your help, maybe I can use my foot down. to open the door. Jeez. Yeah. And so like, there's that, there's that aspect, right? There's a, and I love it as well. When, what people kind of like, watch you in the struggle and just like I remember trying to get into a cafe that had like this like had steps and like a really narrow door and people were just sat and they just were like watching me and I was like you could offer a hand here <laughs> but they didn't anyway I digress yes. so you were saying that. and then there's also like you once you give birth you are not who you were before right you are not who you were when you were pregnant and so now who are you? You have no idea. And so there's that trying to wrestle with that new you while also taking care of this other person mm -hmm. while also dealing with the pressure of like, okay, now I want to be like the perfect mom. Mm. And then while also like, like dealing with who am I to my partner? Who am I to myself? Who am I to my friends? Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, like that's, it's weird. There's no books on that. <laughs> no. And so I think that like trying to decipher who, who that person is and trying to fill it, right? Because you're like building this new relationship. You're starting essentially at ground zero Yeah. with like this pressure to like, you want to be what you look like before you got pregnant or like even better. And it's like, but that person doesn't exist anymore. And it's so convenient that, you know, when when you're struggling to figure out who your identity is, here comes diet culture offering you this like, you know, McMansion identity. Yes. You know, maybe that was a bad analogy, but you know what I mean? Like an, an identikit. Yeah, identity. Like there's a community and I get it, right? Like there's, you know, the like, get your you and along with all these other moms can get your post-baby body back. And there's like this 
like idea it's this predatory thing where like you are all in this space you are all navigating a very similar journey together Mm -hmm. and here you can do it in community right because we're human we we need community we need community and so now here is this offering where you can satisfy that need for community you are while simultaneously highlighting all your insecurities, but now you're all insecure about it together. Like I saw this TikTok the other day where this girl was talking about how she got the, the fat removed from the bottom of her chin and she feels better. And I feel like, you know what, if that's what makes you feel better, good for you, whatever. Right. Like Okay. okay, this is this is this exists. But now it's like I found myself this morning even looking in the mirror and like, huh, I also have that little pouch, a little little fat pouch under my chin. Okay, I- but you saw the Vogue story with Linda Evangelista, right? No. Oh my god. Wait, is that the one she got like um cool scalp on her stomach and now it's stuck like that? Okay, I, I like I couldn't bring myself to read all the details because like I think that's I get yeah, really that's the one then yes <laughs> I get really like what's the word like I get really nauseous reading oh, about yeah, yeah, medical yeah. stuff yeah. in too much depth but it was you know I don't think it was her stomach I think it was like her her jaw and so obviously Linda Evangelista is like a supermodel from the 90s yeah. And she did the like freezing the fat on her mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what happened, but it, it went wrong. And now literally she won't be seen in public without like a, a hat and a scarf covering her face, like completely covering her face. But she's on the cover of Vogue. Maybe I can't, I don't know if it's UK or US, but no, it's UK. Or yeah, some yeah, other one. Not... Like it said in the interview, I didn't read the interview, I read like, a new story about it that she'd like had her face clipped in place in the in the photos and I was like okay well if that is not a deterrent (laughs) then I don't know what is yeah no and it's like you know there's like I get part of you know you get it right like there's this pressure to be frozen in time Mm -hmm. there's this pressure to age gracefully I'm like what does that even mean and like there's this <laughs> pressure to meet the societal standard of a way of looking yeah. that will be palatable to a, a large number of people and I think that recognizing one people are, are allowed to do whatever they want to do to their body two understanding like this the reasons why that person feels like they need to look a certain way and just maybe creating a space or yelling into the void that beauty standards are ever evolving. They are a distraction. They are in the grand scheme of things, you know, this is our skin sack on a rock floating through space. And here we are paying bills, right? So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, I just, I think that like talking about the messiness Mm -hmm. without what I do hate is when someone's like, but you just had a baby, like what a gift. 
you should just yeah. be positive about it. You know, look at all these great things. And it's like, shut up. Yeah. Because it's like, like what a way to invalidate, like things, things can suck and things can be great all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even like, is this a venting space or do you want, do you want me to like hype yes, you up? Advice. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast a little bit is think about, you know, like I said before, we, as postpartum people, we are offered like these binaries of like snap back or be grateful and love your body. And there's just no room in there for the messiness, like you said, the grief, the trauma, the loss of privilege, that, you know, that just figuring out your identity, that whole piece is such a head fuck. So yeah, thank you for talking to all of the messiness. I wanted to ask you, you know, with all of that in mind, who or what is nourishing you right now? I'd say it's a mixture. So I have this really good offline community. I have my family, both my immediate family and my extended family very close by. I also am a huge fan of reality TV. So I just finished, <laughs> I just finished Love Island last night. Cause I know that here in the States, we're like a week or two behind. Okay. Yeah. It finished a few weeks ago here. Yeah. I, I just finished it last night. So now I'm going to move on to my next thing. I love reality TV. I love, you know, quote unquote trash TV. I love, yeah. Anything Bravo, anything E I watch, (laughs) I watch it all documentaries. I'll do that sometimes if I need something a little bit more cerebral, but like, I love, I love all those kind, that genre of television. I mean, anyone who's spent more than a minute on your <laughs> know that but. you're like yeah we know we know you don't have to tell us we're but it, aware but but it's also like interesting to hear what you get from that you know which I think is what you were like getting to. it's like a massage I feel like for my brain yeah like and I will say I think that a lot of so I, I'm, I'm 34 as of last week. Um, I knew you were a Leo. I was going to ask you when your birthday was. <laughs> Mine's tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> but we're very close. Uh, sun sisters. Um, <laughs> so, so I grew up on reality TV show, right? Like the mm-hmm. first, I guess like I, a little bit of real world, a little bit of keeping up with the Kardashians, mm-hmm. a little bit of like X, Y, and Z, right? So um, the simple life and all those things. The hills, the hills, Laguna Beach. Yes, all of those. In my formative years, I absorbed all of that content, <laughs> which probably is why I am the way I am. <laughs> I think that there's something nostalgic about reality TV and the yeah. fact that it's like this, you know, as an adult now, I know that this is all curated, it's edited to look a certain way. And there's all these other things. And there's also like this glimpse into like the messiness, right? There's like a lot of infighting. There's a lot of like 
drama and whatever. And I think it's like almost like a very sterile environment to engage in that stress. Like my husband hates it. He can't, he's like, this is too much for me. I, it's giving, it's right. Making my blood pressure go all the way to the, all the way up. My anxiety, my anxiety is through the roof, but like, there's something calming about watching other people navigate life. Yeah. In this like almost bubble because it's not your life. Yeah. And it's like, I love like, oh my gosh, what a terrible thing for you to experience (laughs) that I do not have to, but like, yeah, I don't know. I freaking love it. I think it's like a massage for your brain. I also think it's very telling, right? So like, if you watch back the Laguna beach, the Hills, there's almost like this, there's like main character energy, right? So the first, the first Hills there's, it's Elsie. The second Hills it's, the other girl or it's Kristen and then there's the younger class and so on and so forth but there's like this idea that there's a main character in every story and I think watching that you know going into my early 20s I carried that with me like I carried like I am the main character of this story I everyone (laughs) should be like flocking to me for my advice I need to be like very black and white very like why would you do this right and growing up now realizing like that's not a reality right like Mm -hmm. that's not what real what happens in real life and I guess like watching it now with that in mind knowing that everybody has their own shit going on Mm -hmm. and just watching people navigate that whether it be real housewives of every every city I watch them all understanding that this is all hyperbole like these are all dramatized times a hundred yeah but knowing that like and there's like this evolution that's where I was going the evolution so if you watch Love Island there is a lot of like if you watch Love Island did you did you watch it I didn't watch it I'm really sorry to say Okay, so bye. I'm logging off of this call. <laughs> we have nothing to talk about. Um, so the first season, I just Love feel Island. like it's gonna make me feel so bad about myself. But I ta- I said that to my friend, and she was like, "No, no, 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 it won't, it won't." So the first season of Love Island is like, it is TV gold. It is just raw. Like you can tell it's, it's very, so you watch that, compare it to Love Island now. Mm. It's a very different show. Okay. The, the editing is different. The cast is different. The, all this stuff is different. And I do know that there was some like, like trigger warning. There was some, Mm. some cases of um, unaliving. There were things like that, that have happened, mental health issues that have arisen from those types of shows, which speaks to an even bigger, broader conversation about like the, the negative impacts these reality TV shows have on the people who are on them. Yeah. Talk for another day. But if you look at the evolution of Love Island from what it was to what it is today, it's like, there's growth or not even growth, but there's like, there's, it's like a learning thing, right? So they've added, from what I've read, they've added, like, there's an offboarding with like mental health, like a psychologist, there's like social Mm -hmm. work involved, Mm -hmm. there's therapy, there's all these things that go into the offloading process from being off of the show. And yeah, I just, the conversations that they have, there's like a self-awareness that I feel like people gain from being on that show or like just being under the spotlight, being in that 
that I think those types of conversations sprinkle into everyday life. Like people are yeah. a little bit more self-aware. People understand that like there is it, this. Yeah. You're saying that it like it, it, these kinds of shows, they shape the culture and the conversations that we're having and they have, you know, power, the power to imbue like good stuff. Yes. Okay. Exactly. They're a nice. force for change. I love that. <laughs> and also be entertaining. And I know that yeah. it's like, it seems silly, but it's also like, it's like a jumping off point for more conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I hear I, what you're saying. And I like, I, like, I don't get me wrong. I love me a reality TV show, but like, I never really thought that deeply about them. So I appreciate it. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me write a thesis on why these are important. You, <laughs> you really could. Right. Like these are yeah, it's just fascinating and I love it. And I think that like everyone should watch reality TV. And also it's a great place to learn like, so you can overlap fuck boys and diet yeah. and dieting. There's there's I, an overlap. I feel like I just saw, did you do a post on this? I did. I did. Okay. I will and link like, to it. I feel like boys in general, <laughs> dating, <laughs> Dating in general, I feel like there's an overlap, right? Because you're trying to fit yourself to this idea of like, let me fit to this other person, mm. right? And the same mm. way that like dieting is like, let me fit to this other ideal, this person yeah. that's not me. And at the end of the day, really what we're looking for is someone that is supportive, but like you are your own person. You don't need someone to complete you. You are a whole person already. Yeah. And so- yeah, that's like a lot of manifesting. I would love to write a book dissertation on this because <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's when you are solely like working on yourself, that other person is complimentary mm -hmm. and not supplementary because you are not <laughs> missing anything. You don't need someone, but it's nice to want someone. You know, if that's what you're into, maybe you don't want anyone, but like, yeah, that overlap, I think is really big. It's, yeah. I'll, I'll link to that post. And also if there are any literary agents out there, <laughs> editors. Yeah. I'm ready. I have, I have a whole, I like it's done. It's in my brain. It's there. It's ready to go. I have All pictures. Right. <laughs> Before we go, can you tell everyone what you are snacking on right now? I am snacking on smoothies that I'm obsessed with. I don't know. I make a lot of smoothies. You make a lot of smoothies. I and really also, do. And it's become this whole like controversial thing. I feel, I don't know if we want to go there. Right now. That is a talk for another day. Yeah. We will do a round two <laughs> doing a deep a smoothie, deep dive, but okay. What is your go-to smoothie that you're making right now? So I... I go between um, strawberry banana, strawberry Classic. berry, and um, this uh, banana. So banana berry, banana strawberry, or banana. Have you, did you, are you on the TikTok? I can't do it. Okay. I just feel like I'm too old. You are, one, you're not too old. Two. But also I feel like I, like, I feel when I, like, okay. So if I watch a TikTok, like I'll watch them on Instagram. <laughs> but I feel like like most millennials yes, yes tell me more exactly 
But I also feel like me going on TikTok is like what boomers are on Facebook. (laughs) I'm an elder millennial. (laughs) I have no right. I I also I know. (laughs) Oh yeah, well, (laughs) you're like I'm aware. We follow you. We see what you're posting. You're the person that I watch most of my TikToks through. (laughs) But anyway, what were you going to say about TikTok? So there is an influencer on Instagram. Her name's Mariana Hewitt. Love her. I loved her from like back when she was like just blogging. Mm. So she has her own like skincare company now, whatever. She has a smoothie with this like very bougie, a very bougie grocery store in LA. And oh, the, like the, what's it? The Air Erwan. Erwan. Yeah. Okay. Air, Everyone knows about Air that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they, she had this like very famous um, $17 smoothie. <laughs> and me being um, who I am, which is read a cheapo. I am very cheap. I'm very frugal. <laughs> I hate spending money on. Yeah. Well, who the fuck would pay $17 for So there are people, good for them, good for them. I wish I could be that person. Um, But I found the recipe and I've been making it. It's freaking delicious. (laughs) Obviously I add other things, right? Because like I'll add, um, I powder oats in all my smoothies because Mm -hmm. it's delicious. It gives it body. Complex carbohydrates are really great for gut health. You know, all those like, um, those superfood words, like, it's really great for gut health. I know. It's really good um, to decrease inflammation, um, all those things, right? So I add that. I'll add um, controversial, uh, a couple frozen cauliflowers. For, we, won't go, we, we won't go into that. We love fiber. <laughs> we love fiber. We are a fiber household, fiber forward. Um, and yeah, I make it at home. I, I bought blue spirulina for purely aesthetic purposes and so I've been making those so I go between a purple smoothie a pink smoothie and a blue smoothie those are my my smoothie go-tos and I love that they're just like the color is the identifying feature (laughs) I don't know if you know this about me but I am very visual I am a sucker for good marketing (laughs) I (laughs) I will someone asked the other day like how do you decide what supplements to buy and I say okay first you want to check if it's third-party tested you want to look for NSF USP all those things right yeah next you hold those up does it have good branding I was like then pick which one is the prettiest that's that's step but I, I love that you are like you're subverting wellness culture like you're just yeah you're like it's here I'm gonna take the piss out of it but I'm also gonna ingest it I'm complex in that sense. <laughs> My toxic trait is that I love toxic wellness culture. I just love it. I love the, you know, I get, it's the millennial in me. I love the way it looks. The aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. I am the target demographic, but I am plagued with critical thought. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, that's a joke. No, 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 no. Like <laughs> I was just going to say what my thing is because it's also... So so my thing is kind of witchy, which I feel like is also like hyper targeted at people like me. And so I low key buy into it. <laughs> oh, I openly. Have you done teledipity yet? I'm like scared to even ask. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to text you the link so that you can okay. try it. 
What and maybe it? you can include this I'll, in the podcast. Maybe not. Whatever. Well, I'll put it in the show notes. What is it? <laughs> maybe this is for the bonus content for subscribers only. <laughs> so basically, it's like um, it's it's horoscope. It's horoscope, oh, numerology, yes. and your name. I, w- so I it really... takes all of those into consideration, and uh-huh. then you get like this. Um, it spits out like uh, what you should be doing in life. There's like a word salad of things that describe you and then it goes into detail about all the things that like just things about you so it's like an enneagram it's like uh you know any horoscope birth chart whatever it's kind of in line with that it's just fun I made all my friends do it and like it's just fun it's gonna be my birthday present to myself that's what I'm gonna do so my my thing is a candle it's by mama moon candles which I've think you're probably only going to get in the UK but whatever I can like ship you one if you want it's a that was you Clara not you the entire audience because I don't have the the resources for that but it's called spiritual bleach and it's rosemary sage and lemon which are all obviously clarifying and I just love the fact that it's called spiritual bleach. Who doesn't need that? Um, and it smells amazing. And you can light it on a full moon or just a Tuesday night. It doesn't matter. That's my thing. I will link to it in the show notes. I'll link to your thing in the show notes. Love it. Here's some of your smoothie recipes and this teledipity situation. Clara, before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? You can find me being a... Digital Menace on Instagram at your dietitian BFF. I'm also on on the TikToks at your dietitian BFF. You can also find me online because your girl has a website now, claranasic.com, because I'm an adult and I have a, I've literally been putting it off for years. And so why? Just, I, it feels icky or I just like didn't. I just didn't want to, I guess. I didn't, I don't know. It's probably something I need to unpack myself. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't updated my website in seven years, so it's fine. Like, I get it. It's just, yeah. So it's just something there, but I I understand the need to take up like digital space in that way. So yeah, you can find me on my website, which links to ways, other various ways to get in contact with me. Yeah, if there's any literary agent who wants to talk more about the overlap the venn diagram of dating and dieting hit your girl up i'm here i'm ready and it's yeah it's a book we all need <laughs> everyone need that everyone oh well thank you for being here and delighting us with you know all of the things especially uh, unpacking the cultural powerhouse that is reality tv We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Can I Have Another? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Can I Have Another Snack? If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review in your podcast player and head over to laurathomas.substack.com for the full transcript of this conversation plus links we discussed in the episode, and how you can find out more about this week's guest. While you're over there, consider signing up for either a free or paid subscription to the Can I Have Another Snack newsletter, where I'm exploring topics around bodies, identity, and appetite, especially as it relates to parenting. 
Although it's totally cool if you're not a parent, you're welcome to. We're building a really awesome community of cool, creative and smart people who are committed to ending the tyranny of body shame and intergenerational transmission of disordered eating. Can I Have Another Snack is hosted by me, Laura Thomas, edited by Julie Kelly. Our funky artwork is by Caitlin Pricer and the music is by Jason Barkhouse. And lastly, Fiona Bray keeps me on track and makes sure this episode gets out every week. This episode wouldn't be possible without your support. So thank you for being here and valuing my work and I'll catch you next week. Thank you.